I told y'all I'm going to always put on from my state, and that is the great state of South Carolina. Uh, in this case, it's with the sounds of the Marching 101 from South Carolina State University. Uh, so shout out to all my students and graduates from uh, HBCUs as we get into it today. What's good, everybody? It's Cedric Warren here with Said Talk. Get it? Like TED Talk, but it's me. A couple things. So the first topic I want to get into, I want to talk about inclusion and enrollment, and it's just with the HBCUs in America, all right? So Cory Booker recently uh, pledged that he would pull out $100 billion to support HBCUs in America, all right? So for my newer listeners or for my listeners who may not be familiar with HBCUs, uh, the meaning of an HBCU is Historically Black College and University. Uh, the name was established after the 1965 Higher Education Act, which was a law created in November of 1965 to strengthen the educational resources of our colleges and universities to provide financial aid and other assistance for students in post-secondary and higher ed. Okay, so some of the oldest HBCUs, HBCUs established were in Pennsylvania and in Ohio. Uh, Pennsylvania has Cheney University, which started in 1837, also has Lincoln University, which started in 1854. Ohio has Wilberforce, which was founded in 1856, uh, which was the first private HBCU, uh, which one thing I learned, I think coming into high school, going out of high school into college, I learned that many HBCUs are private. I did not know that. So uh, that is one thing I did learn about that. There are over 100 or about 100 operational HBCUs in the United States. So the importance of HBCUs, right? I think most of us know that they've served as these institutions for black people when we could not attend private uh the predominantly white institutions that many black students now attend today, uh, still in low numbers, but we're still going there. So it served as the foundation for education for black Americans, right? Uh, not only that, they provided the social environment that can that's very conducive to the success of black students. If you're a black student who went to a PWI, then you know sometimes those environments weren't always the most conducive for us. They weren't the most inviting at times. Um, one thing we have to relay to our counterparts there at those universities is that not everybody at these universities as um, great as you may want to make it seem with pictures and videos and things like that. Not all those students want black students and other students of color there. Uh, so those ideas and traditions are still passed down for a long period of times. Okay. Um, and I think the other advantage is that, you know, black students see people who look like them. They see professors, PhDs, doctors, other things like that that look just like them and they have something to aspire to. Uh, so I think it really aids in the success of students. Um, again, not saying that you cannot be successful going to any other school. It's all about your determination to be great, of course, but that support that is definitely needed uh, for a lot of students, especially first generation students or students who have not um you know, really had that educational support that they need. So they still serve a great purpose in this country. Uh, I want y'all to know that they have produced some of the most prominent members you may or may not know. The first one I want to point out is my own mom. <laughs> Shout out to her. She is a product of Jackson State University in Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, education major taught special education. Uh, so phenomenal woman coming out of HBCU. So shout out to her. I love you. Uh, the other one, uh, other ones I want to point out, Lonnie Johnson from Tuskegee University was a mechanical engineering major. He invented the super soaker. So that thing that you played with as a kid and probably still playing with uh, as an adult at pool parties and stuff like that was invented by a black man. Marilyn Mosby, uh, also, also of Tuskegee University, political science and English major, uh, state attorney for Baltimore, Maryland, and youngest chief prosecutor of any major U.S. city. I think she came into the news around the time, um, 2014 or so. 
Um, she was uh, in the news for that as well. Toni Morrison, we've all heard of her. Uh, Nobel Prize winning author, English major at Howard University. Jerry Rice, Mississippi Valley State, three-time Super Bowl champion, probably the greatest hands in the NFL. And then Pam Oliver, Florida A&M University, broadcast journalism major, uh, longtime broadcaster for the NFL on Fox. So I remember watching her growing up, uh, especially as she always covered the Cowboys games on Fox. Her, uh, Troy Aikman, and uh, Joe Buck were definitely a um, cast of people as well. So other candidates in the race uh, have definitely rolled out plans to support HBCUs. Um, You can probably just do some Googles on that and see who has uh, put out what. Uh, But Booker plans to allot $40 billion for climate change research. Uh, My opinions on that, and some of you might think I may not have an opinion because I didn't go to an HBCU, but I'm going to give it to you anyways. Uh, I think climate change research is important, uh, but I feel like you could allot the money to other things. The other $30 billion he wants to give is in grants to improve uh, and expand STEM education, which I think is very important as we move further into a more technological age. And if you're just not familiar or forget what STEM, it's science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, um, er- areas where we do not see a lot of African-American and other minority representation, of course. So there's still a lot of work to do. Um, so building those programs uh, as well. I think you could really, from the research I've done, infrastructure and facilities is one of the biggest draws that the money could be used for. Uh, So improving dorms, classrooms, uh, cafeterias, grounds, other stuff like that. All that plays into, you know, your college experience and the decisions people make to going to going to your universities and stuff like that. Uh, many HBCUs face a lack of investment from federal state uh, levels and then as well as philanthropists uh, gift. So philanthropy gifts have declined as well. Um, so, and then you have to think about too with the investment uh, surrounding areas definitely help out um, the production, right? So if your school is definitely focused on STEM, if you're in a major city, that's definitely going to be beneficial to you because um, you're able to, one, produce jobs or produce connections that students have uh, while they're engaging in their uh, their studies. Um, <clears throat> so definitely being able to uh, connect them to the outside world is definitely important. So some of that. So building up not only just the university, but the cities that surround them or the cities that they live in as well. uh, So that students are able to definitely find those connections, get jobs, because in the end, the the goal is to get a job. Right. So I'm going to go to your school. I'm going to go through this uh, program. And in the end, I'm trying to find a job. Uh, So I need to have the connections and the education and all the tools necessary to make me successful. Uh, we know there's definitely um, a chance for that if the area is, is, is definitely developed, right? So definitely look back into that. Look at all the uh, candidates' uh, plans on supporting HBCUs. I definitely think that we need to support them uh, more and more. Uh, I've worked with some phenomenal people who attended HBCUs. My last job at DHEC, I think the majority of people i worked with came from South Carolina State, Benedict, uh, I think I have one person from Allen, stuff like that. So uh, shout out to all those people, phenomenal people, phenomenal workers as well. Uh, so let me just say this before 
I get towards the end of my section on this one. The PWI versus HBCU debate is the dumbest thing ever. I know it's probably going to come up around this time and definitely in the springtime because it's graduation season and everybody likes to compare talking about classes and GPAs and grades. Stop. It's the dumbest thing ever. Okay, we're black and we're educated. No matter if you went to Jackson State, South Carolina State, or or Benedict, or if you went to Ole Miss, South Carolina, or Clemson, it doesn't matter. You're a black person who is educated in this country and you are a dangerous thing to this country, uh, which is why one of the reasons they've held that against us for so long and held us back from getting that education. So stop the debate, okay? Stop it. Uh, unless you're comparing sports teams or something, just stop. Uh, so we're all educated. And that's the biggest thing. So the last thing I have on this segment, too, here is that I serve on the Black Alumni Council at the University of South Carolina. And one of the things that I've thought about recently is that our job is definitely to increase enrollment of black students at the University of South Carolina and as well as engage alumni, right, to be engaged back into their school. So donations, uh, being around for community service and just mentoring, things like that. So we have a lot of good things going on, uh, which I'm very proud to be a part of because I love my university university and the things that came of it and the people I've met and where it's put me uh, where I'm currently at, of course. But one thing that I, like I said, I think about is as I'm recruiting students to come to University of South Carolina, which does have a lot of resources, um, am I taking away from some of the best and brightest students that might potentially go to an HBCU, which can also help them out as well. Again, uh, we're all competing with these universities for the best and brightest students. And oftentimes students will make a decision based off of what they can get from that university, of course. Um, so some may lean heavily more towards the social support and say, OK, I think I'll be fine regardless of the degree I get, which a lot of people are. Uh, and I need that social support, social support. Others are very career focused and oriented and see what a I don't want to say career focused because everybody's probably career focused. Others may be more focused on what they can get from the university in towards in terms of resources, right? So the social aspect is not that bad. They definitely see there's some culture associated on the campus, but you know, the academic program is what's really drawing them there. Um, so it's one of those things there. So I hope we can come to a good medium where we're seeing increased enrollment at HBCUs across the country, greater support for these places as well, because again, they were the foundation of black American education for a lot of us. Um, so I think it's one of those great causes that we definitely need to support. All right. All right. So moving on, uh, we're going to continue with the education theme here. Very important, of course. Excuse me. I do all this talking. My mouth gets dry, so I got to drink a little water. Uh, I watched a documentary last week. It was called uh, College Behind Bars. It was on PBS. I remember growing up watching PBS all the time and seeing stuff. But now as an adult, I'm like, man, this stuff is actually really, really interesting. Uh, so there's a small private liberal arts college in New York called Bard College. All right. And they started an initiative uh, founded by undergraduate students at Bard College in response to the decimation of college and prison uh, in 1999. So they launched a pilot program in 2001 uh, that's seen dramatic growth. And then that program has now uh, awarded over 600 degrees uh, between uh, associate's degrees and bachelor's degrees. The first associate degrees were awarded in 2005 and the first bachelor's degrees were awarded in 2008. And they have over 160 courses available. So 
uh, while watching this, I there were definitely prisoners in there who were some low offenders and some had some more serious crimes, armed robberies, some committed murder, other things like that. But I asked the question and I want to get your thoughts on educating prisoners. Right. So this this documentary just followed several people uh, who had been to prison. They showed you their stories. I think it was a two or three part series. Uh, They showed you their stories, where they came from, the choices they made and things like that. And then while they're in prison, they're learning. uh, They're getting a college education. Uh, They have to do a senior project and a senior thesis, uh, you know, so it is it is pretty much what you would go through if you were sitting in a brick and mortar class or taking classes online. Uh, so what are your thoughts on education prisoners? Right. Is prison truly about rehabilitation, as they say, or is it about simply punishment uh, based off of what we see with the increase in incarceration rates, especially of minority people, uh, people of color, black people specifically? Uh it's simply punishment, you know. Uh, we're writing people off as, as soon as they get there, I think. And don't get me wrong, people commit some heinous crimes and they deserve to be punished. But if we're truly about making America better uh, and making and truly being about, I'm giving quotation air quotes here, second opportunities to people in this country, then we definitely need to work to be more rehabilitative than more punishment focused right and that starts not just in prison that goes all the way down to elementary and middle school and high school levels where disciplinary techniques need to be from just detention and suspending to maybe trying other you know alternate things so that's the topic for another day but i want to get back to this so just give me your thoughts on educating prisoners i think this is a fantastic program if we're truly about rehabilitating people and giving them the opportunity to succeed once they get out of prison what better way than to provide them with an education while they're in there so when they come out they can hit the ground running because many people start to get lost when they come out right they think okay now i gotta find a job and this in this world holds whatever they did against them it could be the smallest thing it could be for weed it could be for whatever Uh, but the world tends to hold that against them you have to identify those things on job applications And while people say they will give anybody a second shot when that opportunity comes to comes to pass, sometimes they get where they get they're they're reluctant to hire these people coming out of uh, prisons. And all a lot of times these people want to do is just succeed like everybody else and have the opportunities as well. I wholeheartedly believe that. But we're not giving them the true opportunities that they deserve to be successful. Uh, so this program definitely gives them a chance to hit the ground running. Uh, I've seen some of the people followed up with by the document documentary and, you know, some are studying law, some are, you know, working with uh, nonprofit organizations to improve the criminal justice system, uh, which naturally you think would be a, a good draw, right? You've experienced it on a level no one else or many others haven't. So now you have a, a different insight into what's actually happening when we talk about the criminal justice system. So I think it's phenomenal. Um, I think this is one of the things that we should definitely support. Um, and I hope this program continues to receive funding from wherever it comes from. Uh, so that we are able to really give people a chance. Education is an equalizer, in my opinion. Uh, it's one of those things that puts people on equal levels. And if we can provide equitable education, access to education to people, I definitely want to see um, improvements in our country. Um a lot of the issues we face in our country are definitely systemic. So there's a lot of other work to be done, but I think this is a start. Uh, I'm a helper, dreamer type person. If you haven't noticed in some of the things that I talk about, so I truly believe we can make differences and, and, and really change. 
but it starts with identifying those root causes and those problems. So definitely check it out. Uh, it's called Prison uh, College Behind Bars. It can be found on the PBS website. Um, you can go there. I will drop the link in the comments or you can just Google it and watch it as well. So great documentary. I'm glad I caught it. So uh, I mentioned root causes. So let's move on to my next topic. One of my favorite things, public health, right? So two weeks ago, we got into uh, what public health was, right? So I introduced that to you. So I'm going to use my platform that you are listening to as a chance to educate you on something I'm very passionate about and something that you see happening every single day. You just may not realize it, right? So public health is everywhere. Uh, just a quick thing. We're different from healthcare. Uh, doctors, nurses, nurse practitioners, all that stuff. They're working to treat infirmary and illness. In public health, we're working to prevent infirmary and illness okay so there are 10 essential services of public health and then they those 10 fall under three core functions so the first function i'm gonna get into now is the assessment function uh, and if you can imagine a circle with some uh, basically like pizza slices and put 10 services in there and then draw some arrows around it uh these first couple that i'm going to mention to fall under the assessment tab all right so one uh the first uh essential service is to monitor health status and identify community health problems right so an example of that is conducting a community assessment uh determining health service needs id threats to health id community assets and resources right um so an organization will, you know, do assessments through surveys or other opportunities, collect data and see what is a ongoing problem for a community. It could be diabetes. Right. Or it could be um, it could be a nutrition thing. Right. So what they'll do is they'll begin to develop programs and services that 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 begin to address those problems, all right? So the second one that I wanna get into is talking about diagnosing and investigating health problems and health hazards in communities. So we're gonna monitor the health status of the people uh, and things like that, and identify the community health problems, but we're also gonna diagnose and investigate those health problems. Uh, so you could say like an ID, you could ID a source of pollution that could be a health issue. So think about uh, prime example, Flint is a good example, or if you dug further into the news, uh, East Chicago, Indiana had a lead issue with their um, soil. So, you know, that's something that's polluting the soil. And then it's, you know, you, you see those things come out when kids go to the doctor and things like that, high levels of lead in their blood and so forth. All right. So I'm going to continue to give you uh, the rest of those 10 essential services. we got eight more to go, plus the two other core functions. And then uh, I'll continue to educate you all on some public health topics. I'm also going to start having some of my colleagues and friends who work in public health to explain to you what they do uh, so you can see more of what public health is doing in the communities that you live in and around the country as well. All right. So it's the holiday time. I'm glad everybody's uh, excited and ready for the holidays. So I want to give you my top five holiday movies. And these can be watched anytime, honestly. I mean, you could watch a holiday movie anytime. I know for me, these are the ones I truly love to watch. And anytime they come on TV, I'm definitely going to watch them. All right. So my top five holiday movies. And again, I stress my top five holiday movies. So don't argue me. Uh, just give me your top five. And we'll, and we'll be good to go. So Home Alone 2, all right? And then the, number two is Home Alone, all right? So Home Alone 2 is better. 
Uh, I think the scenario of being forgotten again adds to it. And then the traps that he set were much better. And then it's just a lot funnier uh, as well. So when Marv gets electrocuted and starts screaming, I die laughing every single time. Of course, Home Alone, it's one of the best movies uh, ever created. Uh, So shout out to the director and the creators of that movie. It's just, you know, it's fantastic. Number three is the Santa Claus with Tim Allen, uh, where he realized and became Santa Claus after Santa Claus had an accident. Uh, as I got older and watched it, it became a lot funnier because I caught a lot of the jokes that were in there. So definitely one of my favorites to watch. Number four is the Harry Potter series. Um, Freeform, ABC Family, whatever channel it is now, they show these series pretty much every Halloween and Christmas time. And it's not a Christmas movie, but they definitely have holiday scenes when the kids go home for break or they go to Hogsmeade and stuff like that. So Harry Potter can be watched. Like I said, it's another one that can be watched anytime, any place throughout the year. Then my last one is Elf. Hilarious movie. I think Will Ferrell is one of my favorite actors. Probably one of the funniest people in Hollywood, to be honest with you. Uh, If you ever get a chance just to watch stand-ups from him definitely do especially through saturday night live so elf is definitely one of my favorites all right so we got the holiday movies now we got to go to the holiday christmas songs of course uh top five christmas songs for me all right so number one this christmas by donny hathaway two reasons Anytime anybody thinks about christmas they're thinking about donny hathaway's song this christmas i think everybody knows the words no matter who you are or where you're from you know the words or you recognize the tune as soon as it drops Right. Also, I want to point out that Donny Hathaway is an alpha. Just want to give you that little tidbit of information. Christmas in Hollis by Run DMC. Another classic one. Everybody pretty much knows the words and raps to that as well. So Run DMC produced a definitely great holiday track. Uh, Number three, All I Want for Christmas by Mariah Carey. I mean, her album, that Christmas album is definitely iconic. It's one of the most popular ones. It's really good. Uh, So... Everybody's familiar with the video. She's sledding through the snow and her just singing. So this is another one that when it comes on, everybody's singing. Uh, Hark the Herald by Vanessa Williams. Her 1996 Christmas album, Star Bright, is a family favorite of mine. It's one we've always listened to as we've decorated our tree and stuff like that around the house. So it's definitely a favorite of mine. And then Let It Snow by Boys to Men is number five featuring Brian McKnight. Uh, it never snowed in South Carolina around Christmas, but now with me living in Indiana, I definitely think that's a possibility. <laughs> uh, we just got about seven inches of snow here uh, earlier this week, so uh, it's definitely possible. All right. Uh, all right. So last thing I want to give you all my sports update uh, before I close out on this said talk. All right. So Joe Burrow, 2019 Heisman winner. I called it. I said it. So if you listened last week or the weeks before, I told you that Joe Burrow won the Heisman. Naturally, he would. He should. He is the best college football player. Uh, And that's what the Heisman goes to. You can throw the numbers out there for Tua and Jalen and everybody else, uh, Trevor Lawrence, all those guys. But Joe Burrow is doing something special with LSU. And with that, I'm saying LSU wins the national championship. All right. So you heard it here. Again, that's my pick. All right. So moving on to NFL playoff race. So as of Friday, December 20th, uh, we're looking at the Ravens sitting at the top spot in the AFC. Patriots, number two. Chiefs at number three. Texans at four. Bills at number five. When the last time the Bills been in the playoffs and like competing, right? So shout out to Josh Allen, uh, really putting that team on his back and making those guys get those wins out there. They're doing well. Uh, they got a 
tough matchup against the Patriots again today. Uh, not again today, but uh, again this weekend. Excuse me. This weekend. So that should be interesting. Definitely will propel them into the playoffs with some momentum as we go into week 16. The sixth seed is up for grabs between the Titans and the Steelers. Uh, Steelers own the tiebreak over Tennessee. I think uh, Mike Tomlin deserves coach of the year. They lost three of the best players you could imagine, and they're still in playoff contention. They really have taken a ragtag team of guys, four different quarterbacks, you know, various running backs, receivers, and everybody else, and, and put together a winning squad. So shout out to them uh, for doing that. So we'll see what the Steelers can do in the playoffs. I don't think they'll go very far. Uh, but the fact that they got there after losing, you know, their core Core players is definitely impressive. Moving to the NFC, we got the Seahawks at one, Packers at two, Saints at three, and my Dallas Cowboys sitting at number four as of uh, this weekend so far. So we got a big matchup against Philly. Uh, so that'll definitely determine who wins the NFC East. Most people are saying nobody from the NFC East should get in, but this is the playoff format. This is how it goes. So the division winner gets in. So when it's us, we'll be in there. I'm thinking at nine and seven. So we'll beat Philly, then we'll beat the Redskins. And we'll limp our way into the playoffs. All right. 49ers sit at five. And if you're the Niners sitting on a eleven and three or you know, record, you gotta be upset that the fact that the Cowboys are seventy seven and could potentially win their division. Meanwhile, you're out here struggling, trying to just, you know, win you've won eleven games and you're you know, you're on the fifth seed. Minnesota's in the lead for the sixth seed at 10 and four. Uh, I don't think anybody else is close enough to catch them. So we're looking like we're going to see two uh, teams from the NFC North uh, in the playoff race this year. Uh, so Minnesota has a tough matchup against the Packers this Monday uh, for the NFC North. Um, so both teams have NFC North division foes closing out. So either one could win the division. Uh, Minnesota definitely. Uh, looks pretty good. Didn't think the boy Kirk Cousins would do that well in Minnesota, but he's done it. So Minnesota's got some good pieces around him. All right, moving on to my favorite sport, uh, which is baseball. I know a lot of you don't watch, but I'm going to start giving you this information regardless because there are people who do listen who do watch, so I appreciate it. Uh, I just want to say Major League Baseball is just throwing out crazy money. Um so if you want to work anymore and you got kids, put a bat and ball in their hands right now. Get them swinging, get them pitching, uh, all that stuff. Get them on travel teams so they can get seen. Uh, Garrett Cole's ridiculous money, $324 million over, I think it's seven to ten years for that. And then Steven Strasburg got a $240 million extension, right? $240 million extension. Not just like a, a first or second contract. He's getting extended, right? There's there's people who won't make that in their whole professional career. It's stupid, right? Uh, seven years, two forty five for that. So, like I said, definitely get your kids out there playing baseball. <laughs> All right, and then lastly, so I'm waiting to see where Chris Bryant and Francisco Lindor end up. Those are two major uh, free agency signings. We're waiting to see. Uh, I love Francisco Lindor. I would love to see him in Atlanta. Maybe put Dansby Swanson at third, Lindor at short, and then we have Ozzy Albies at second. So that'd be a pretty sick infield. But Brian and Lindor are two of the best infielders in the league. So definitely have made big splashes in their in their organizations with the Cubs and Indians. All right. 
look, that's all I got. All right. So I really appreciate y'all listening. Definitely uh, continue to follow me on Instagram and Twitter at IREPTIFY. That's I-R-E-P-D-A-P-H-I-V-E. Definitely search me on SoundCloud for said talk and be sure to share, like, listen, and follow with all your friends. And uh, I really appreciate y'all listening, man. This has been exciting. This has been fun for me, so I'm going to keep it going. Next week, I got something special for you. We got a special guest, my first guest. It will be my very own brother, and we're going to give you some new things about the college football bowl season, our picks, and a lot of humor and silly stuff. So stay tuned. I really appreciate y'all listening. And we're going to let this South Carolina State Marching 101 fade us out.